control <coughs> control and can we have the interpreter bubble <coughs> thank you Okay, we ready? Okay, good afternoon everyone, and welcome to the Mayor's Disability Council meeting. My name is Sherry Albers, and this meeting is now in order. Today is Friday, May, 18, May 19th, 2023. This is an in-person and virtual hybrid meeting. This meeting is broadcast to the public on SFGovTV and it is open captioned and ASL interpreted. Um, the Mayor's Disability Council holds 10 public meetings per year and they are generally held on the third Friday of the month. Please visit the MOD website at www.sf.gov MOD or call the Mayor's Office on Disability at 415 554-5678 for more information or email um, sorry mod at sf.gov um, for any uh, accommodations that you may need our next regular meeting will be on Friday June 16th 2023 from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock right here in this room, which is 400, room 400 in um, San Francisco City Hall. I don't know if I mentioned that's where we're at. Um, it is also gonna be a hybrid meeting and broadcast on SFGov TV. We thank you for joining us and we are glad you are here. Okay, Mary, could you please conduct the roll call? Yes, thank you, Chair. Uh, we'll now have the roll call. Uh, Alex Madrid. <laughs> Thank you. Orchid Sassuni, I think, is absent. Uh, Sherry Albers. Present. Thank you. Denise Senhawks. She will be here in okay. momentarily. Okay. Um, Helen Smolinski. Present. Thank you. Uh, Jason Lewis Woods is absent. Anaya Tandon Verma is absent. Okay, thank you, and that's the roll call. And we just want to say, uh, can I have that? Oh, sure. Uh, um, Council Member Senho will be joining us uh, virtually uh, momentarily. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, we now need to have um, Mary, if you could read the agenda for approval. Sure. Okay, our agenda today is the first item is the welcome and roll call. <clears throat> our second item is an action item reading and approval of the agenda. The third item is general public comment. <clears throat> our fourth item is the co-chair report. The uh, fifth item is an information item report from the Mayor's Office of Disability. The sixth item, a discussion item, um, e-scooter safety campaign presented by Kate Tor Torin and Mona Chewy with the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency. Then there'll be a break, 15 minute break. 
Um, when we return, the seventh item is a discussion item, Active Communities Plan Update on Disability Outreach, presented by Christopher Kidd, San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency. Uh, the eighth item is an information item, SDA Advocacy Budget Agenda, in advance to the June 25th hearing date for the public to comment on the proposed city budget with the Board of Supervisors, Senior and Disability Action is here to present their budget advocacy agenda. The ninth item then is the uh, correspondence. Our tenth item is general public comment. Um, the eleventh item is council member comments and announcements. And the twelfth item is adjournment. And that's our agenda. Do I have a motion to approve the agenda? Can you make a motion to approve the agenda? Do I have a second? Second. Great. The motion, uh, the agenda has been approved and passed. Thank you. All right. Okay, so now we're going to move on to general public comments. Um, and of course, first we have uh, any public comments who, from people who are in the room with us. Do we have anybody, Mary? I don't believe we have anyone standing up for public comment in the room, no. Okay. But I do believe we have to read the... Um, yes, I can... Um, I'm sorry, sure. I threw you off. <laughs> I, can, I can read that if you like. <laughs> um, <clears throat> at this time, members of the public may address the council on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the council, which are not on today's meeting agenda. Each member of the public may address the council for up to three minutes, unless the co-chair determines that, in the interest of time, comments may be limited to a shorter time when there are a larger number of public comments. <clears throat> With respect to today's item-specific discussion items, your opportunity to address the council will be <clears throat> afforded at the, at, the, oh, sorry, at the conclusion of each discussion item before council discussion begins. And a reminder that the Brown Act forbids the council from taking action or discussing any items not appearing on the posted agenda, including those items raised at public comment. If you would like a response from the council, please provide your contact information by email to mdc at sfgov.org with the subject line MDC comment reply request, or you may call 415-554-6789. If you join the webinar using your tablet or smartphone WebEx app, click on the three horizontal dot icon and then click on raise hand. We will recognize you when it is your turn. You may also use the Q&A feature in WebEx webinar to make a comment. It is located on the top part of the video after touching the screen. If you are using a desktop or laptop computer, raise hand or Q&A and Q&A icons are located at the bottom of the video screen. And if you are joining us by phone, please dial star three to indicate that you would like to make a comment. We will prompt you when it, we will prompt you when it is your turn. And as I said, we would look uh, if there's any in-person uh, com um, commenters, which we do not have. And I don't know if we have any. Is there anyone remotely? There is no one remote. Okay, thank you. 
Okay, that was easy. Uh, public comment will be closed, Chair. I'm sorry, Mary? I'm sorry, the public comment is closed. Okay, thank you. Okay, well, we will move on then to the um, co-chair report, which will be given by me, Sherry Albers. Um, we have a very brief report this month. Um, since the April um, MDC meeting, we've had scheduling challenges which have caused a delay in um, uh, having our housing committee and our employment committee meetings, um, but we expect that these committees will be meeting before the, before the next um, public MDC meeting. Um, so that's really all we have to report for this month. Um, but I would love to um, turn the floor over to our director of MOD, Nicole Bond, who will give us our director's report. Let's see if we can organize the microphones for a moment here. I'm gonna try to get a little closer. One second, please. Thank you, Co-Chair Albers, um, and thank you everyone uh, who is uh, following along on SFGov TV today. I'm Nicole Bond, the Director of the Mayor's Office on Disability, and first I want to thank our colleague from the Veterans Affairs Commission, uh, Mary Murphy, for helping us in our clerk role today while we have um, some folks traveling and away. So welcome, Mary, and thank you very much for your help today. So today's report will be posted um, following this meeting to the MOD website at sf.gov slash MOD. You can also engage with this report by calling us directly at 415-554-6789. And there's quite a bit in this month's report, and so I do encourage uh, folks to um, to seek out the full version, but I will give you some highlights uh, today. First of all, in terms of legislative updates, um, since our last meeting in April, the affordable housing needs assessment at, that this council heard about uh, in uh, February was referred to public safety and uh, neighborhood services. Uh, that's referral number 221-218. And that was the report, as you'll recall, that uh, directed the, uh, uh, the uh, Disability and Aging Services, Mayor's Office on Housing and Community and Development, the Planning Department, the, planning, the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing, and MOD to uh, look specifically at the needs of people with disabilities and older adults. This item was heard as part of the April 27th meeting and was filed. Uh, and we do encourage the council to continue to uh, monitor this item and consider uh, periodic updates around how that effort is, is proceeding. Secondly, uh, resolution 230269 uh, was heard uh, just uh, Bit earlier this week, honoring Judy Human 
and the UN Plaza protests of 1977, which led to enacting federal disability rights legislation. And uh, the resolution uh, passed with recommendation as amended and is now with the mayor's office. And it directs public works to install a commemorative plaque or statuary in honor of Judy Human and the historic disability rights protests. Uh, this is very exciting. Uh, be, this will be the first public recognition of a disability leader in San Francisco history. And because of that, we, I really do encourage the council to work with Mayor's Office on Disability to make sure we support an accessible installation of this very important uh, commemoration. Uh, the next uh, uh, item that I will um, uh, highlight today is moving to federal legislation. So as uh, Council Member Sassouni mentioned last month, the Air Carriers Access Amendments Act of 2023, Senate Bill 545 and House of Representatives Bill 1267. These uh, identical bills require the Department of Transportation to seek consultation from the Access Board and re re uh, re redefine minimum accessibility requirements that have been needed for a long time, including but not limited to the way that equipment is handled seating accommodations, captioned and audio uh, description of in-flight uh, entertainment and safety communications, uh, visual displays. It also uh, speaks to appropriate stowage of assistive devices, wheelchairs, accessibility of all gates, ticketing areas, customer service desks and software, and websites. And MOD and the San Francisco Airport uh, are in the process of drafting joint support, support letter for this federal legislation. Uh, and then for those in the public who may be interested, a sample template addressing these issues um, specific to the deaf community may also be found at the National Association for the Deaf website as well. I have a number of news and announcements of things that happened over the last month that I would also like to share. <clears throat> so on Thursday, May 11, MOD attended the Office of Dis Digital Equity Connect San Francisco Affordable Connectivity Program launch event. This program provides direct uh, vouchers to qualifying households. San Francisco residents with disabilities are encouraged to see if you qualify Information is available online, and uh, there's print information that is here in this hearing room for folks, or you can call the Office of Digital Equity to learn more at 628-652-5888. Next, on Tuesday the 17th, MOD presented to the Public Health Commission on remote public comment for non-board uh, non-board public bodies. The council is, is encouraged to continue to monitor accessible remote public comment citywide. It's something that people with disabilities uh, are still having questions about, although I will say that the meeting with the Health Commission was a very positive and productive one. Yesterday, Thursday, was Global Accessibility 
Awareness Day, and MOD hosted a great conversation called First Person, a conversation about websites and the disability experience. We had over 90 participants who learned firsthand from panelists with disabilities with about their experiences using websites and technology. And this, uh, with their permission, will be posted soon on the MOD website. Another piece of very exciting news, the Coalition of Municipal Offices for Persons with Disabilities, which includes San Francisco, New York, Boston, St. Louis, and others, have been invited and will meet with the Department of Transportation Secretary Buttigieg in Washington, D.C. on June 1st of 2023 to discuss our January request letter and collective accessibility agenda related to air travel, transportation, uh, paratransit, on-demand services, and autonomous vehicles. I provided the coalition letter as part of this report, and this will also be uh, posted to the website uh, as an, uh, met, uh, an attachment along with this report, and I'm happy to talk more about this at your June hearing if you'd like that. And finally, to announce for the public, um, June 26th, 2023 is public comment day at the Board of Supervisors at the Budget and Appropriations Committee. The Mayor's Disability Council members may consider providing public comment on behalf of persons with disabilities as the board considers their final budget allocations for the next fiscal year, which starts on July 1st. A couple other items that I just wanted to bring to your attention that I haven't mentioned previously that you might want to consider for future agenda items are, uh, first, I suggested, if you would like, a public report from the from MOD about what we've been up to uh, for the past year and some of the challenges and successes. Happy to present that again. It's been about a year since we've talked about those things. Also, um, the um, some of you were involved in feedback related to dining reusables and upcoming legislation related to that with the Department of the Environment. Just wanted to highlight that particular item as one for you as well. And uh, the rest I've mentioned publicly previously, so I'll stop there for right now. And I'm happy to entertain any questions that the council members might have. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Are there any questions from the MDC? Yeah, I do. Thank you, Nicole, for that. I knew that um, I was at the meeting for the reusable um, things from the restaurant, but I think it would be good to invite them in. At the same time, I just want to ask if we get any correspondence on regarding um, plastic straw in um, businesses. I know that um, that department handles or oversees that um, issue. Any things that you know regarding that? 
Sure, I'm happy to answer that question. So to my knowledge, we haven't received direct correspondence through the Mayor's Office on Disability regarding uh, plastic straws. And so uh, if not, not since the original legislation that allows plastic straws for folks with disabilities in public establishments was amended and passed. So that's been um, at least uh, three years now, I believe. So there hasn't been other correspondence that I'm aware of um, since then, but certainly it's something if the council would um, want to uh, learn more, I do encourage you to invite the Department of Environment to talk more about that and the reusables issue. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Nicole. Anyone else from the MDC? Uh, Denise, are you there? Do you have any questions? We're not. She doesn't appear. It doesn't appear that she's here okay. yet. Um, she's she's here. I've got a message from her. She's on mute. Oh, okay. Okay. Can, okay. Um, this is Sherry. In the meantime, um, Nicole, I, I, this. Uh, Air, the air, ca aircraft, air care, what is it called? Uh, air Carriers Access Air Carriers Amendment Access. Act. Okay, thank you. <laughs> it's a lot of A's. It is amazing yeah. um, what is in that bill. Um, I read the letter um, that was written. Um, it was so carefully crafted, and um, when the public reads it, you will be amazed what's what's contained in it. Um, it is so comprehensive, um, and it is so long time coming. Um, whatever, I mean, I um, will be, in, you know, talking to the council here. We, we definitely will support and um, will issue a letter in support um, wherever that needs to go. Um, I don't know what the timeline is for any of uh, the committees um, how it has to go through the legislature, but I would not want to miss the date for support um, of those committees. So um, very, very much needed. And I know how long it takes the access board to um, you know, do things, that, that process. So uh, however we can support that, we will do it. Wonderful. They, my understanding is they hope to... and. Um, enact uh, changes as early as September. So this on the, the sooner, the better. And that's just for the council and also for any other members of the public who might want to be supporting this act by uh, writing to your, um, your congresspeople at, and asking them uh, to support this. Um, that would be great. And this is Sherry again. I'm wondering if uh, it's needed yet for specific suggestions, um, because I made a laundry list already of, uh, <laughs> um, for instance, you know, labeling the row numbers even. I mean, besides the obvious, to me at least, the kiosks when you go up to the arrival counter um, and you want to just print your boarding pass independently, um, going, you know, trying to find the gate as you're going down the long hallway where all the gates are on each side and I don't know which one is which. Um, uh, you know, and then on the plane, what row am I at? You know, if I go to the restroom, um, you know, first finding the restroom and then 
whatever. But then getting back to my seat, you know, finding the row, and I have to ask, excuse me, what row are you? You know, disturbing people. So, I mean, there's a lot of ideas that um, many people have. I don't know if they're asking even for those suggestions yet. <clears throat> they, there are specific implementations in the bill. Mm -hmm. So I would first recommend that you take a look at the bill, but I'm happy to, right. MOD is happy to work with the council on uh, any other kinds of comment that we, and kind of figure that out with you in terms of how, what it, what's the best way to proceed here. And certainly I'd, I'd want to talk more specifically right. uh, before um, we uh, go to DC, which is in a week. <laughs> so let's okay. talk soon. Thank you, that's great. Yeah, and very, very happy to see another attempt to straighten out the uh, issue of what is a service animal and what is not. Um, I don't know how many times this has to be um, defined or examined, but um, hopefully once and for all this can do it. So thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate your engagement. Okay, um, if we are ready to move on. Um, okay, so we are gonna move on to a discussion item. Um, and this is on e-scooter safety campaign. And this is gonna be presented by um, Kate Torin. And Mona, Ch Mona Chewy, I'm sorry if I got your name. Please tell me um, if I pronounced it wrong. And um, uh, they are from the San Francisco Municipal um, Transportation Agency. Hi, good afternoon. I'm Kate Torin, and I'm co-presenting with my colleague Mona Chu. Chu, and, thank you. Um, Mona's sorry. remote, and I am in person. And we have either the presentation on a thumb drive, or Mona can share her screen if there's uh, any preference. Um, John said they already upload the file and going to show it on the computer already. Okay. Oh, great. Thank you, John. It's the um, scooter presentation. Thank you, John. Great, thank you. So we'll wait a minute for that to get loaded and I'll um, just introduce myself uh, with my title and uh, Kate Tornum, the Director of Taxis, Access and Mobility Services for the SFMTA. And I'm very happy to be co-presenting with my colleague Mona Chu, who's a data analyst and who's also our resident artist and graphic designer. So Mona's gonna be co-presenting with me and um, talking about phase one of our scooter safety campaign. And I think Forrest, can you run that? Um, and we are, um, we're also joined by, uh, with Alec, by Alex Murray, and he is with the scooter evaluation team, and, and we'll get into uh, that as we go through the presentation. So thank you for making time for us on your busy agenda to hear about scooters. I'll provide the brief update about the scooter share program, including the program evaluation that is currently underway, 
And then Mona, as I mentioned, will fill you in on phase one of the scooter safety campaign. And we're excited to share this with you and to get your feedback on phase two, which is an upcoming phase of the safety campaign. When we were last before you this past November talking about scooters, we let you know that SFMTA at that time was planning on engaging a consultant to do a program evaluation. And so, again, I'm happy that Alex Murray is here with us today from the consultant, Farron Pierce, and that evaluation is underway, and we are um, happy to share the status, uh, where we're at with the program evaluation, and to hear your thoughts and comments. Uh, to give a brief update on where we're at with the scooter share program, in April, the MTA board approved a one-year permit term extension, so the current permits are uh, good until June 30th, 2024. And along with the extension of the permit term for the scooter share program, the MTA board also added specific sidewalk detection requirements to the transportation code at that same time. And prior to this, the MTA had not set specific requirements because the technology is so new, uh, but we had requested that applicants propose solutions to SFMTA on how they would handle safe riding, safe scooter riding. And um, since they submitted those applications and we selected the um, existing permittees, MTA has been working with the permittees to test and demonstrate and develop best practices on sidewalk detection technology. And so uh, this past April, the, uh, as I mentioned, the MTA board approved the specific requirements now, which are in the transportation code. We currently have two scooter share permittees, Spin and Lime. Last time we were before you, there were three scooter share permittees. Bird was the third. Uh, Bird decided to stop providing service in San Francisco in February. So currently uh, we have Spin and Lime in the program. As I mentioned, the program evaluation is underway and our overarching goals are to evaluate the scooter share program and you know, make sure that the program is helping MTA meet our goals. And then we're looking to see recommendations on any potential upgrades to the program. The evaluation includes a number of key elements, including a look at sidewalk detection technology, vehicle design with safety in mind. Um, the consultant also conducted a, a peer city review. There's a rider survey that will be underway shortly. Um, we're also looking at the adaptive program. The consultant has reviewed a number of relevant data sets. There, there's actually a lot of very rich data related to scooter share on the MTA website. We have dashboards that show trips. We have maps showing uh, trip uh, locations. We also have enforcement information related to uh, citations, complaints, and we have those mapped as well. Um, but the consultant has been reviewing, in addition to those publicly available data sets, there are a whole number of other types of data that they've been reviewing, including collision data, travel data, monthly reports. 
um, the rider surveys that will be coming out soon will be um, available in Spanish, Chinese, and Tagalog. Pier City interviews have been conducted with Chicago, Washington, um, Washington, D.C., Austin, Seattle, Los Angeles, and San Diego. And we expect the final report and recommendations to be out later this summer. And so we look forward to hearing your comments at the end of our presentation. And now I'm going to uh, pass the baton to my colleague, Mona Chu, and she's going to um, uh, fill us in on phase one of the scooter safety campaign. Thank you, Kay. Hi, um, this is Mona. I have been working with SFMTA for almost five years as data analyst, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to do the graphic design for this campaign. The scooter safety campaign phase one uh, starts at May through July this year. We are consolidating the feedback from the public, including the Disability Council last November, Riding a scooter should only be fun when it is safe. So the design concept uh, uses eye-catching visuals for the young demographic. In phase one, uh, we focus on the top three golden rules to improve uh, scooter safety. And we want to remind the public what is illegal scooter riding. So the first one, um, riding on the sidewalk is illegal. I use a good rabbit that rides on the bike lane, and then everybody is happy. The bad rabbit rides on the sidewalk, which will scare pedestrians and may hit the vulnerable pedestrian, like the elderly turtle that falls upside down. The second design concept is about power scooter cannot exceed 15 miles per hour. I use a naughty tiger speedy and stop by the bear police. The third design is about double riding, which is illegal and dangerous, just like the poor little rabbit falling off the scooter crying for help. So don't put your loved one in danger. One scooter for one people only. Next slide, please. Uh, we're working with the SFMT communication department for the media channel, including Muni on the exterior banner and interior card, the digital display in the central subway. Also, we are posting uh, the blog and social media. We are providing uh, poster and postcards to hand out at public outreach uh, events. Uh, we have QR code scan to report the 311 scooter complaints and at the back of postcard with a QR code scan to the blog. And finally, we are working with the SFPD on scooter safety. From January last year to March this year, there were 117 warnings and 151 citations issued to scooter riders. So we will continue the campaign into the next phase two, and I will turn it over to Kate. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mona. Next slide. Yeah. So for phase two of the campaign, we're starting to develop concepts now, and we're hoping to collaborate with the Mayor's Disability Council on additional key safety messages. And the scooter safety campaign is to address all scooter safety and all scooter riders 
Um, with the scooter share program and those riders, we have a lot of uh, enforcement tools and we work with the permittees, but for individuals who ride private scooters, we have less ability to enforce. And so the intention of the safety campaign is to get the messages out broadly for all scooter riders. And so for phase two, what we'd like to do is to collaborate with the Mayor's Disability Council if there's interest to um, develop additional key messages and then also explore developing public service announcement videos. We were really excited to see the shared spaces video that Director Bond shared with us and we think that's a really great model. And so we're here today to ask for engagement and collaboration uh, with us on this phase two. And let me see if I, if I missed anything. Um, yeah, so what we're thinking of is establishing a small working group where we could discuss script development, safety messaging, and maybe even recruiting some local talent just like the shared spaces video. So um, that's something that we're excited to hear back from the council on today. Um, so um, hand in hand with the scooter safety campaign, MTA is focusing on building out the safe riding and parking infrastructure for scooters and bikes. And I know later on your agenda, you're gonna hear from our colleague, Christopher Kidd, who's gonna talk about the active communities campaign. And this is a really important effort and we really see it as part of the safety campaign. A lot of feedback we hear is like, well, MTA, um, if you don't want us to ride on the sidewalks with our scooters, please make sure we have more bike lanes. So that is very important to us. It's very important for us to hear from the community. And MTA has been committed and has been working on adding additional bike racks. There are 3,000 bike racks have been installed over the past couple years. And uh, the scooter permittees actually pay a, a rack fee to support the addition of new bike racks in the city. And um, there are about 11,000 bike racks citywide. MTA's been expanding bike lanes. Over 45 miles have been added in the past few years. And again, my colleague Christopher Kidd will tell you more about the active communities plan and all the exciting work that's happening there. Next slide. Um, uh, as we presented at the uh, meeting in November and as we've discussed before that the uh, scooter permit terms and conditions require an adaptive program and the um, adaptive devices have to comprise at least 5% of the on-street fleet and they have to be available for reservation through the app. In addition to the uh, on-street fleet requirement, there's also a complementary adaptive program in that, and both SPIN and LIME participate in the adaptive complementary program and that allows them to test additional features and then offer devices for longer rental periods um, and those are offered for free for the community to test out. Can you go to the next slide? Yeah, that's the next one. And you can go to the next one. 
Um, um, as part of testing out additional features, and, and I mentioned testing as part of sidewalk detection, well, because the, these um, devices are fairly new for this type of use, there's also been testing of adaptive features to try to understand what safety features, what balance features uh, meet the needs of a variety of riders. And so this past January, the team at MTA um, tested in the field, tested adaptive devices out in the field with students and teachers from the SF Access program. And um, there's a great blog post written by our colleague at MTA, Maddie Ruvalo, and uh, with some more details about types of features tested and the feedback. So it is an iterative program. It is an iterative process. We are learning as we go. Again, a lot of this is new. The technologies are new and best practices are unfolding. So I think that is it for our presentation today. Um, and we're happy to answer questions and take comments. And again, we do have Alex Murray from Fair and Pierce to hear specifically about the program evaluation. Okay, um, thank you so much, Kate. Thank you, Mona. Um, and at this time, we are going to move to public comment. No. Oh, Judge. That is correct. Public comment. Thank, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> so now we welcome public comment on this agenda item. If there's anyone in person here with us, if you could step to the podium if you'd like to make a public comment. And it doesn't look like we have anyone here in the room. And sorry. Um, and control room, is there anyone on the remote side for public comment? One caller. Oh, there is one caller. Okay. Please go ahead. Please unmute the caller. So my name is uh, Francisco da Costa. And from time to time, I pay attention to what is being discussed about the disability community. And uh, the outreach has to be done. And one segment of the population that is left out are the homeless. The many homeless who are in their wheelchairs. And uh, MTA uh, should do something about it too. Not really talk about the scooters on the street, but help those in their wheelchair move from one place to the other. And also, we have to have a mechanism where we offer the outreach in various languages. And before I stop, I want to uh, make it very clear that we may have a day for public comment. But after every agenda item, public comment is important. It's sacrosanct. So public comment is not a joke. We the people in any democracy have a voice to stand up and speak truth to power. 
And the disability community, you can go to Washington or you can go to any other city, but we have had presidents like FDR and others who fought for the community that is uh, physically challenged or mentally challenged, and we are grateful for that work. I'm 75 years old. I was part of those movements, not only in the United States, but all over the world. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comment. Is there anyone else on? There are no more callers. Okay. Um, now we're going to move to comments from the council and then followed by um, MOD staff. Anyone from the council have any comments? Okay, Helen. Hi. Uh, thank you, SFMTA, for your presentation and all your good work around this issue. I know it uh, can be complicated and a lot of different interests. I'm curious, though, who is that campaign, that uh, safety campaign aimed at, the one with the cartoon animals? Are we talking about children riding scooters on the sidewalks? It's aimed at all riders, so it's in it. The graphics are intended to be catchy and eye-catching for the younger demographic, but it's really aimed. Those are important messages aimed at all riders, so that that's the intention. And the follow-up with the phase two is to uh, think about how can we continue getting those messages out in different formats and forums. Okay, because my understanding as a parent of young kids is that children on scooters are allowed on the sidewalks, much like the ex exception for biking on the sidewalk. Is that an incorrect understanding among parents in San Francisco? It sounds uh, like it is. If we are talking about electric scooters, like powered scooters, We're not. Kids, you're talking about kick scooters. Yeah, kids okay. don't ride anything uh, a motor right. scooter. Yeah, the kick scooters are considered separate and apart. We're talking about the electric, the powered scooters. Okay. And so we even uh, on the images, we put in the little battery pack to make it clear these are the yeah. electric powered scooters. And then often uh, the state law uh, gives a maximum speed limit of 15 miles an hour, but a lot of those go faster. So that's what we're talking okay. about with the campaign. Okay. Because I did notice that, that you did make that distinction of that motorized scooters, which, um, in my opinion, I'd like to see any future ad campaigns aimed at the adult 20-something male who is who I see riding on the sidewalk on motorized scooters speeding in, the, on, in San Francisco. Um, I don't know if there's been any analysis of who is fined or stopped um, in any of the, of, you, of the enforcement activities. But um, I think that's our demographic of, of who needs to get the message if, if we're looking at um, what people are seeing on the streets. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Alex, any comments? Yes, thank you, Sherry. A um, couple of questions uh, for Kate and uh, Mona is that 
One is that I know that you give us some numbers with um, some relations and warning. I just cruise on frequently um, work if there's any relations. Um, do you guys have those data or just one first warning and um, ticket it? That's one question. The second question I have is that with enforcement, I know that this is a tricky subject to discuss, is that with private um, users, of course, uh, MTA cannot um, uh, um, stop them using scooters, but again, talking about enforcement, there is a um, thing that we can do for um, from San Francisco PD to enforce the law. I just wanna um, have, I wanna ask your thoughts on how MTA go about going after, not going after, but enforcing um, the rules with the comes to public users. And the last thing is about um, permitting on these two companies. I know that there is now a maximum of 15 um, miles per hour, but I just want to know from the studies and analysis right now how many of those are still breaking the laws when it comes to living not only um, riding in on sidewalk, but leaving them in the sidewalk. Okay, great. Thank you. I was taking notes to make sure I got the questions. Good. Thank you. Uh, thank you. So, the, well, those are great questions. I, I'll start with the big issue that you brought up about private scooters and that you're spot on and that MTA has very little enforcement authority over private scooter riders. And that is why we're focusing on uh, safety campaign and getting the messaging out as educational efforts. And so that's really important to us. And then also our enforcement manager who's been before you in the past, Phil Crana, my colleague, um, has a relationship with SFPD and uh, we work in collaboration with SFPD because 
um, SFPD is the proper authority to um, stop a private scooter rider if they are engaging in illegal activities, such as riding on the sidewalk or such as riding faster than 15 miles an hour. And so um, uh, Mona shared some of the statistics that we received from SFPD, and MTA has a work order with SFPD for that includes this type of work. Um, and you'll notice that um, the, there's a lot of education happening from SFPD. They want to stop the behavior, not necessarily issue a citation. And so, um, so our mechanisms for dealing with private riders are to collaborate with SFPD to get out the safety messages and just to continue getting the word out. Um, and we did actually bring some of the hard copies of the um, safety campaign postcards. Mona mentioned that we had postcards. We do have hard copies. We're making sure that when MTA staff is going out and doing community outreach events, where you know that they they have a supply of those postcards that they can get the word out as well. Um, and for access, we have all the information that uh, is linked on our blog with all the same safety messaging. So. Um, so that's available online. In terms of the data, I think you asked about the data. And we do, I mentioned in the presentation, we do have a number of dashboards that are publicly available. And so MTA staff can issue citations to scooter share companies for improper parking which we do, and then we can issue citations to the companies when their riders are riding on the sidewalk or riding improperly. And so I'm gonna look, I think I have some. some I think this is what I was trying to ask, is that if you have any numbers of those data in hand about how many adults are, um, Situation right now, and what to do about it. Okay. Um, yes, I do have some numbers. Um, this I'm looking at a presentation that the MTA staff gave at the uh, MTA board meeting in April when we requested the permit term extension. So at that time, when we looked at a snapshot of the program from July 2021 through March 2023. There had been a little over three million trips provided in the scooter share program. Um, there have been almost 19,000 citations issued and uh, almost 11,311 complaints all about the scooter share program. So that, could, that can give you a sense of the uh, three million trips, about 19,000 citations. Again, this is these are infractions that are administrative in nature. These are not moving violations. Those are SFPD, but this is for improper parking. For the most part, some improper writing issued to the company. Um, and then the complaints are about uh, a little less than uh, 11,000. So that gives you some. And I'm going to look at my presentation. I think I might have a little bit more. Um, let me just see what else I have, if, if you still are interested. I think it would be good to the public to know. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I found it. You ready? Mm -hmm. Yeah? Okay. So, um, let's make sure these numbers. So, uh, 17, 000, about 18,000 improper parking citations were issued. 
Um, the fines, that represents a, a little over $2 million in fines. The fine for improper parking was $100 per citation from July 2021 through February 2022. And then in March 2022, it increased to $150. These will look a little different now. The MTA's recently established a fine incentive program to um, uh, we're interested in the devices being moved quickly because if they're blocking an accessible path of travel, that's a concern. And so we are um, lowering citation amounts or allowing the permittees to pay less in citations if they meet certain thresholds to move the devices more quickly. Um, but back to the, the numbers um, for improper writing, uh, SFMTA started issuing those citations to the permit uh, permittees starting in March 2022, mid-March 2022. It took a long time to figure out how uh, to establish the authority for MTA to issue those citations. And so, um, is that the bill? No. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Just continue. Okay. 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 Um, and if you need me to go quicker, you no, 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 no. Okay. We got time. Okay. Um, so uh, about 850 improper riding citations had been issued by the MTA during that period. So from March 2022 to March 2023, um, representing uh, about $125,000 in fines. And again, those were for a, a certain time period. And those citations are now $500 per citation. So, wow. Yeah. So Good that's job. A, yeah. Okay. Good job. Does that, and I think, does that answer all your questions? No, just a couple more. Okay. I, I think, I think you made a, a note, right, of my question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had, you had a question about the data on mm. the tickets, yeah. which I think we just covered private users and enforcement. Um, you had a question about the two companies and the 15 mile per hour maximum, and if we have demographics on who, like who's doing the infractions? Yes. Yeah. Um, no, because MTA issues the citation to the companies themselves, not to the individuals riding. So we don't collect that type of information. I guess my last follow-up question, or the, the last question I have, and I just want to um, ask about the, the company. I don't know we have two companies right now, LAM and I forget which Spin. one. Spin. And I'm just curious on... Um, if there are these companies are repeating um, validations, um, are they, what's the, what does MTA have to, to, to I, I just ask, um, that I think, they should think about any um, termination if if the company is repeatedly uh, um, violation on 
uh, what they're not supposed to do, especially when it comes to accessibility leaving those devices on the streets. Yeah, I, it is really important, and we do validate the data, and we do have a, a really top-notch data analytics team internal that Mona's part of as well, Mona Chu, who, who's presenting with me today, and they've built a lot of tools for our uh, enforcement team on the street, and they've also built tools for the permittees, and so... Um, the uh, through the use of these tools and online apps, when the companies move the devices, they submit it into the the app, and so then we can track. So that does happen. There's a lot of automation in the system that we've built over the permit term. I guess my question is, what's the what do you guys um, um, implement when it comes to um, to manage up the contract. That's what I'm trying to get at. If the company is repeatedly validating okay. um, the policy or the rules. I see. Um, so what other further disciplinary action, uh, is that what you're asking? Like if the companies are consistently yeah. out of compliance? Yeah, Yeah. Well, we're trying to, we've, we have a lot of enforcement um, sticks in the tool belt. We're also adding incentives. I mentioned the, you know, adding incentive to lower the fine but amount. But you don't want to terminate the we, company. Uh, no, I mean, if there's a bad actor that's really egregious, then we, you know, we would, and there are tools in the uh, permit terms and conditions, so there's the ability for the MTA to uh, summarily suspend. So if we did have a company that was really running roughshod and not, it, it was danger to public health and safety to, like, the worst level, we could immediately pull the permit. And then there's also uh, progressive discipline. In the, so there is the opportunity to... Um, to revoke a permit, to summarily suspend and revoke. Um, at this point, we've got two permittees that are very engaged with the SFMTA. We meet with them biweekly, and they're very interested in providing good service and to working on rider accountability. So we do feel like they're, you know, we're adding again more more carrots, more incentives, but and we are seeing improvements in the service. Thank you very much. Thank you. Testing. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Those are great questions, Alex. Very important. And um, I have one um, quick thing to add. Um, so for the campaign, I see um, no sidewalk riding, um, the speed limit, um, don't double ride, um, and parking, where to park the scooter. Um, has any consideration been put into making sure or educating the users to um, possibly um, take note to the um, traffic signals as they fly through them, especially the ones that are in the middle um, mid-block crossings, like as in the one I always cross at Market Street um, in between 7th and 8th as I'm 
<laughs> specifically crossing and um, scooters are just flying through uh, that, that mid-block um, cross, crosswalk there. It seems there is absolutely no regard for traffic signals at, at that point. That is a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. That's been a, a location of interest for us, and we've actually discussed that with SFPD, and we're engaging in dialogues prior to the pandemic about doing some kind of outreach activity safety messages <laughs> at that specific location for the very reason you mentioned, and then the pandemic came along and things went crazy. Yeah. But we have started um, reviving that conversation internally at MTA, and we're making notes here today and I think that would be that might be a great one for phase two of our safety campaign and if there's anyone who'd like to participate with us like those real world experiences mm -hmm. I think will be really helpful because for this uh, I think some of the riders you know they're self-interested like we all are and they want to ride in what feels like the safest place to them and they may not be mindful of how their actions are impacting others so um, having those real world stories to to um, uh, bring the safety messages home I, I think will be really important. Fantastic, I appreciate that. And I think this brings us to the end of our time. And um, oh, oh my goodness, how could I forget the um, MOD comments, Mayor's Office on Disability? It's okay, I will be, I will uh, be brief as Nicole Mon speaking. <laughs> Hang on, sorry. I think, is my mic on now? Okay, thank you very much. This is Nicole Bond speaking from Mayor's Office on Disability. Thank you, Kate and colleagues for being here today. As this council knows, as Kate knows, it's a very personal in, uh, issue for me due to my own uh, injuries. And so thank you to the council for continually bringing visibility to this topic and helping Kate and everyone um, be held accountable and also do more, which I, we have been. So thank you. Um, and I will also support uh, Sherry's comments in that, um, that the um, mid-market uh, crossing, which is right across from the Civic Center uh, BART elevator and also home to the lighthouse and to the mayor's office on disability, still definitely still an issue. Um, also with the bicyclists, by the way, it might be time to also re-educate um, our bicyclists, especially during heavy commute times where it can be really uh, tricky as more of us are uh, thankfully returning to offices. Uh, so there, uh, there's that, I, I, and I just wanna express uh, the Mayor's Office on Disability support for any other kind of public PSA kind of messaging. We have found that the uh, shared spaces PSA has been very well received. Thank you to Council Members Madrid and Albers for starring in the video. <laughs> <laughs> it's really been it's really been effective. And that leads to my question before we break, which is, what are some of the? Do you know yet? what some of the indicators will be that you're, that the, this messaging that you're rolling out is working? And, and what, what measures are you gonna be using 
towards that. Thanks. Thank you. Um, so noted again on the mid-market issues, so um, I'm gonna bring this back to the team. And um, yeah, you know, in advance, in prepping for the meeting, we were anticipating the question of how do we measure effectiveness? It's, you know, it is not easy to measure in this type of safety campaign. So I think that is a question we'll just have to keep noodling on internally. We feel like it, it's so important to get the word out, even if at this point there's not a direct method to measure. We could look at certain metrics. We could look at different um, Vision Zero data, crash data, but we couldn't tie it back to the safety campaign. <clears throat> and trying to target a survey to people that may have seen the safety messages and then change behavior um, just gets really tricky. So at this point, we don't have the perfect method to measure. Uh, and we're committed to continue doing this and to continue thinking about how, how do we measure effectiveness. Um, but thankfully, because we have such talented staff internally, Mona and her artistic skills and graphic design in our communications team, it doesn't cost us a whole lot to um, put a campaign like this together. Thanks for that. I just, I, again, I wanna express my support. I, I, I really do hope we can figure out how we can figure out uh, if it's if it's working. I mean, I think that that measure is really important. So, uh, just to emphasize that again, and the last thing, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind if you have it, if you could just say for the public if if you where that dashboard link is in case people want to look for it. Okay, I am looking to my colleague Forrest who is sitting here. And he's gonna take a quick look. I know we've, in the last presentation we gave in November, we included the link okay. to the dashboard. So um, we could, um, and we're happy to resend it, but I'm, I'm like 95% sure we included it in our presentation to the Mayor's Disability Council in November. And if you, if you have it and you can reread it, that would be awesome. I, I can give you the link. It's sfmta.com uh, forward slash shared dash mobility dash dashboards. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. That's the end of my uh, comments. Uh, Council Member Albers. Thank you so much. And thank you again, um, Mona and Kate. It was a great presentation. We look forward to more, hearing from you more. Okay, it is now time for a break. Uh, we are going to take a, we still stick to our 15 minute break? Yes. And we'll be right on time. But All right, yeah, I was thinking that too. If we, can, yeah. if we can make it in 10, um, everybody um, be back at 220. 225. Five. Try to let's let's go for it. Thank you so much.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
remotely or are we this is Denise I'm here
Yes, already. Microphone. Control room, we're ready to begin. Resume from the break. Thank you. Go. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Mayor's Disability Council meeting. Um, hope you had a good break. Um, okay, we are going to continue with a presentation. Um, this is a discussion item um, about the Active Communities Plan. Um, this is an update on their outreach, their disability outreach. And to present this is going to be Christopher Kidd from the San Francisco Municip Municipal Transportation Agency. Hey, Christopher, how are you? Hi, good afternoon. Um, thank you, everyone, for, for having me at MDC today. One um, second. Jimmy. I just want to make sure. Oh. Sure. Oh. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry, I wanted to make sure we could we could see you when we can. Sorry about that. Absolutely. Go ahead, please. Yes. Thank you, Nicole. Um, yeah. Good afternoon to everyone, um, commissioners and and public attending. My name is Christopher Kidd. I'm a Complete Streets Planner with the uh, SFMTA, and I am the project manager for the Active Communities Plan, uh, which is San Francisco's first citywide bike plan update since 2009, uh, which is quite a long time. Um, I did present at MDC back in November, um, but I wanted to come back to you all to share what we've been doing since then and, and what's coming up and, um, and, and really engage with, with the MDC on, on how we can uh, best uh, bring the, the disability community into this discussion and, and create a plan that's really representative of their needs. Um, so I have a presentation that I can put up on screen and... Um, There we go. Um, so I'll take this to full screen here as I as I present. Um, so today I wanted to, to give an update on the Active Communities Plan, what it is and, and what it represents and what we've done. As I've mentioned, the Active Communities Plan is our first citywide bike plan update since 2009. Um, that means that it will represent a, a 10 to 15 year investment plan for the agency um, once it's adopted. Uh, in terms of but not just infrastructure, but our, our policies and programming as well. Um, and uh, it'll include a new proposed uh, network for what we call the Active Transportation Network. Um, we call that uh, for, for a specific reason. And, and this plan differs from a traditional bike plan in, in two specific ways. The first is that we want to really be inclusive of all devices that can use the bike network. Um, so that means not just scooters and e-scooters and things like skateboards and e-skateboards, but also potentially things like um, power chairs and adaptive bicycles, adaptive scooters, and other um, electric devices that uh, can improve mobility for people with disabilities. Um, the other way that this is different than a traditional bike plan is that we are also really trying to center uh, our work within uh, equity priority communities in San Francisco and communities that have had a historical um, a bad relationship with, with bicycle and bike projects and that we want to ensure that we're uh, really centering the, the needs of those communities uh, to, to help uh, kind of bridge all of the, the, the gaps and the barriers that they experience uh, to active transportation. Um, this is a plan that will be adopted in the spring of 2024. We have a Caltrans planning grant for this project. Uh, with matching funds from uh, Proposition K from the SFCTA. Um, 
Christopher, this is Nicole speaking yes. again. I'm so sorry to interrupt. If yes, the, please. If the control room could please move the interpreter bubble over to the right a little bit. We've had a request for that. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Nicole. I can wait until that's taken care of. I think we're better. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah I think so. Okay. Great. Um, please continue. So I, thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Uh, I also wanted to briefly touch on how the Active Communities Plans fits into larger city goals and projects. Um, so right now, the city is in, in the process of developing an update to its transportation element, which is a piece of the city's general plan, which is supposed to dictate the policy for how the city is run. Um, the Active Communities Plan will kind of, once adopted, will fit inside of that transportation element, which will be looking at transportation at a comprehensive level for all modes. Um, but we also have a lot of work that has already gone on that is feeding into the Active Communities Plan. First is our work on Connect SF, which is our long range visioning transportation work, uh, our multimodal transportation work, including the active transportation study, but also um, the, uh, the investment plan that the SFCTA has put together for 2050. We also have Vision Zero, which is our policy to, to try to achieve zero serious, fatal and serious and fatal collisions within the city. And as part of that, the action strategy that the SFMTA updates every two years. And we also have an adopted City of San Francisco Climate Action Plan and the complementing SFMTA climate roadmap is meant to inform how SFMTA contributes to those goals. So all of those things are kind of set the stage for and feed into what the Active Communities Plan needs to accomplish and represent. Um, but we also have some existing programs and guidelines specific to the disability community that, that we want to make sure that we're calling out and that we're, we're lifting up and, and incorporating into our work. And the first is uh, the, the guidelines for accessible building blocks for bicycle facilities, which is a series of design guidelines developed by the SFMTA to ensure that uh, bike facilities can retain accessible curb space for people with disabilities. And especially when we're designing parking protected bike lanes that we're doing so in a way that can accommodate uh, access and, and vehicle loading needs. Uh, we also have, as you've heard uh, just from Kate uh, just now, our, our scooter share uh, per permitting and program work, uh, including uh, our mechanisms to enforce uh, better behavior, uh, but also to introduce adaptive scooter programming. Uh, and then lastly, we have our BORP program, which is our, our adaptive bicycle bike share program, which has now been made permanent and is, and is now going to be available in both Golden Gate Park and along Great Highway, um, which we're very excited about and, and we hope to expand uh, in the coming years. And so to, to briefly go over the, the plan goals for the Active Communities Plan, first and foremost, we want to advance equity. We want to ensure that we're increasing mobility for those uh, who are the most susceptible to transportation challenges across the city. We also want to support safety for all of our road users, specifically through our Vision Zero work. Uh, we also want to support climate action. We have our, our goal of 80% low carbon trips by 2030 in the City of San Francisco Climate Action Plan, and the Active Transportation Network can really contribute towards that goal. We also want to support access for all residents, and so that is a, a wide range of needs where People experience different kinds of barriers to access, being able to access the active transportation network, whether it's comfort or education or affordability. 
um, or parking. Um, you know, there's a lot of different barriers that people can experience that we need to overcome. We also need to deliver real results. We have urgency behind our work and we need to, to create a better and safer and more accessible city. And we can't have a plan on a shelf. Um, and lastly, we need to work on developing new approaches. We need to figure out how we can develop and deliver projects more quickly and effectively. Uh, but we also need to develop new approaches on how we work with communities in developing projects that people feel are really supportive of their needs and their values. Um, uh, along those lines, we have a commitment towards working in our equity priority communities as part of this project. We had developed our grant application actually in partnership with uh, five different community-based organizations and equity priority communities and had them really inform our work from the ground up. Um, and they are equal partners in this work. And these communities that we're working within are in Bayview Hunters Point, the Mission District, Outer Mission Excelsior, the Tenderloin, the Western Edition Fillmore, SOMA, and we are also doing citywide uh, Chinese language outreach work through one of our subconsultants, Interethnica. Uh, and so just a, again, a, a brief overview of what hey, the uh, Christi Hey, Christopher, yeah, hi. Please, go ahead. Sorry, yes, absolutely. if you could please slow down just a tad, that would help our interpreters a little bit. Absolutely, Thank yes. you, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, yeah. Um, and so to, to reiterate what, what the Active Communities Plan represents and will produce is it will create a 10 to 15 year investment plan focusing on four areas. The first is a new network. So a new proposed network for uh, active transportation facilities, bike lanes, protected bike lanes, neighborways, slow streets. Um, it'll also include recommendations for parking and facilities. Um, this not just bike parking, but also for other types of devices. Um, do we need to provide charging facilities for electric devices? How do we su create supporting facilities uh, so that people have access to those options? Um, we also need to create programmatic recommendations around things like education, around creating supportive events like things like Sunday Streets, uh, and partnerships with other city agencies and organizations within different communities. Uh, lastly, we also will create a set of policy recommendations, uh, and that is for where we can use and leverage policy to help improve people's access to active transportation, things like uh, how we do regulation of our scooter share and bike share permits, how we conduct transportation demand management, how we work with new developers and development to provide facilities and investment to help improve active transportation in our communities. Uh, and so to briefly touch over what we've been doing so far, uh, we launched our public outreach process in January of this year. Uh, we'll be doing public outreach and engagement through January of next year. Uh, and to date, we've reached, well, at this point, probably closer to 2,000 residents uh, than, than in this slide, uh, where it says 1,500. Uh, we also have a commitment to all of our project materials being available in English, Chinese, Spanish, and Filipino. Um, so, uh, and then in addition to that, uh, kind of complementing that, the outreach work that we've done with the disability community so far is that we have um, we have representatives from the mayor's office on disability on our technical advisory committee, which meets about every two months to directly inform how we do our project work. We had a presentation at the mayor's disability council back in November of last year. And then in March, we held two separate events, uh, one with Lighthouse for the Blind and one with the Senior and Disability Working Group uh, to get direct input from the disability community. 
Um, and uh, in addition to that, just by 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 a matter of who showed up, uh, our our work with our community partners and our equity priority communities actually had very strong representation uh, from folks with a disability. Um, and so through those events, we were also able to get some really good direct input from people on these specific challenges that they face in those communities. Uh, in addition to our public outreach, we've also done a, a wide range of analysis. Uh, the link on the top right of this slide goes to an interactive web map that we have that shows off uh, a whole bunch of different analysis that we have done. Um, we, we've been able to, to map out today's existing conditions for the bike network, but also where every bike rack is, is located throughout the city and a few other things. We've uh, conducted an analysis to, to analyze the perceived level of comfort or stress that someone experiences on every street in San Francisco, um, which we've been able to map for every street, but also for mapping for today's bike network. Uh, we've done an analysis of, of mode share, of where people are living uh, who commute by, to work by either bike or scooter. Um, we've also done a, an analysis of collisions involving bicycles or scooters. Um, the map in the bottom left shows uh, color-coded the different types of collisions that, that we've mapped, uh, the blue representing uh, bicycle car collisions, the green representing a, what we call a solo fall when a bicycle or a scooter rider falls off of their, their, uh, their device and injures themselves by themselves, um, and the pink representing uh, collisions with pedestrians. Um, in addition to that, we've also been able to map where, uh, where unreported collisions are taking place because we also get data from SF General Hospital uh, for collisions that aren't reported through a police report. And uh, because of, 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 uh, of HIPAA rules, we aren't able to show those locations exactly, but we've been able to map the neighborhoods in which those collisions are taking place most frequently. Um, we've also looked at uh, excuse me, we've looked at volume data for, for micromobility users. So for e-scooter and e-bike users, we've been able to map what streets they are riding on the most frequently, as well as uh, which bike share stations have the most activity. Um, and lastly, we've been able to model uh, trips for, for people riding on bikes and scooters and looking at within the city network, within the bike network, where are the most trips taking place um, and where are they not? Um, and so, Hey, Christopher, this is Nicole speaking yes. one, one last time. I think, um, if you wouldn't mind very briefly, because not everybody can see the colors on the map. Can yeah. you just speak to the concentration a, a little bit? It looks like a lot of this activity is, is concentrated to me in the Northeast uh, of the city. But if you could speak to that a little bit, that would be helpful. Absolutely. So for the for the network analysis map, um, and I, I highly encourage those who are able to explore the, the map online because there's many more uh, ways to kind of look at the analysis and the data. Um, but yes, we've certainly seen that for the, the modeled data that we have for, for trips um, is that we see a, a really high concentration of trips in and around the downtown core in the Mission and in SOMA. Uh, we also see a high volume of trips on streets like JFK and Golden Gate Park. Um, and there are some kind of some streets in, in the city's southwest 
that, that also have comparatively high volumes, but we largely see fairly low vault ridership volumes in the city's south and southeast neighborhoods. And I think that that largely, you know, corresponds to neighborhoods that are relatively flat and neighborhoods that are relatively close to downtown. Um, and so lastly, to, to talk about what we're doing right now, we are currently in what we call phase two of a four phase outreach process for the calendar year. Um, we are we have a survey that is out and live right now uh, that will be available through July 31st. We have a link here on the this slide, but we also have it available on our website and I can share it through the chat on this meeting. Um, we have uh, since the start of May, because we're now in mid-May, uh, we, we have 30, over 30 outreach events on our calendar across the city. Uh, these are events that are both online and in person. And really what we are seeking is to understand people's needs, their barriers, and, and the amount of comfort they need to feel safe riding a, a bike, a scooter, using a wheeled device. Um, and so really we are kind of focusing on understanding what do people need to be able to bike, scooter, roll more, and what types of streets make people feel comfortable or safe enough to use active transportation. Um, in terms of the types of things we're asking for to identify needs and barriers is we are asking if people need better information like more wayfinding signage or access to, uh, to, to route apps on, on things like phones or computers. We also are asking people about uh, different events and celebrations, things like Sunday streets, or this is a photo of the, uh, the NorCal Pedal Gang Cinco de Mayo ride that had about 400 folks uh, in, a, in a big group ride that started in the mission. Um, we also have questions about uh, education and enforcement and, and do people need additional education opportunities or information about biking or scooting? Do, they, do people need more enforcement and, and is that enforcement related to car drivers or related to scooter users, bike riders. Um, we also have questions about parking needs because parking can be a very critical uh, barrier to being able to use active transportation. I think of people living in SRO housing in the Tenderloin where they don't have room to store a bicycle in their apartment. And if they don't have an overnight parking option, they don't have access to active transportation. Um, we also have questions about affordability and access. Um, do people, are people able to afford, um, you know, these different types of devices? Would they want to use them if they could afford them? If there was something like a rebate program, would people want to buy an e-bike or a sit-down electric scooter? Um, and we also want to have questions about how we design our facilities. Uh, and it could be as simple as putting a scooter stencil on a bike lane in addition to a bike stencil, but it could be something much more complicated uh, and, and inclusive uh, about how do we redesign our, our bike facilities so that they can be inclusive and welcoming to the broadest range of potential users. Um, I think that, you know, I would think many people would agree that that the current bike network is not uh, friendly or uh, accessible to met much of the disability community. But I think that there's an opportunity through this plan for us to think about what does a, a friendly and accessible network look like uh, for, for people in the disability community where they feel 
uh, safe and welcome and invited and included in those types of facilities. Um, to that effect, we also have on our survey the opportunity for people to uh, rank and rate uh, different types of bike facilities that are in San Francisco today, where people can rate their, their comparative level of comfort or stress uh, in using those different types of streets and facilities. And really what we want to do is to understand what are the types of streets that people would actually be willing to ride on so that we can recommend those types of projects. Because the last thing we want to do is to build a bike lane that no one uses. Uh, in terms of what is next for our project, we're in the middle of phase two, as I had mentioned, where we're looking to get input on people's needs and barriers and, and the relative comfort that they experience on different types of streets. Uh, in the fall of this year, starting in September, we will be bringing draft recommendations to the public. So a draft network, but also draft programmatic and policy recommendations. And we will be spending all of the fall into the winter working with the public around how do we change and update those recommendations to reflect people's needs. Uh, in the winter of this year, we'll be bringing our draft plan to the public. Uh, and we will then be in the spring of, of, of next year, be kind of moving that draft plan to our final plan for adoption with the SFMTA board. Um, in terms of, of speaking with the MDC today, uh, I think we want to really get input from, from you all about, first of all, how we can make active transportation more inclusive and accessible and welcoming to people with this disability and especially how we can design the active transportation network to be an asset to people who have a disability. Um, I think we also want to get input on how we can overcome other barriers to participation for people with disability. It's not just the network, it's everything else around being able to access and use active transportation. And um, we also want to get feedback on how we can continue engaging residents. Um, I know that there's been you know, a lot of change and turnover with some of the key organizing organizations um, with, with you know, folks like SDA and Lighthouse. Um, and you know, I think one other thing that, that I don't have on, on this, this bullet point list is we are also convening a, what we're calling a policy working group uh, to, of, of, of members of the public to help inform and get into the, the, the deep details of the active communities plan. And we would really love to have representation from the disability community within that group. Uh, our attempts to solicit folks for that have not been successful yet. But if there's anybody attending this meeting today who's interested or has recommendations, we have our first meeting next Thursday. And I would absolutely be very, I'd be honored to have, have somebody, you know, represent this community in that working body. Um, and so with that, that, that covers our presentation for today. I would be thrilled to take questions and comments uh, from, from you all. And I'd be happy to kind of leave up this uh, this question slide to in in case people um, need to refer to it. Okay, thank you very much, Christopher. And um, at this point, we are moving to public comments um, first in person, if there are any, which I don't think there are. And now to oh, we do have public comment. We have people in the room. I'm in just person, checking. we have people in the room. <laughs> <laughs> 
We'll read the we'll read the instruction for. Okay, good. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so yes, we'll open um, the discussion to public comment for this agenda item. Um, we'll uh, start with those joining us in the room, and also go then go to those joining remotely. Um, for those using a tablet or smartphone uh, web to app, WebEx app, cl please click on the three horizontal dot, dot icons and then click on raise hand. We will recognize you when it is your turn to speak. <clears throat> you may also use the Q&A feature in WebEx webinar to make a comment. It is located on the top part of the video after touching the screen. And if you are using a desktop or laptop computer, uh, please hit raise hand and Q&A icons are, or, I'm sorry, the raise hand and Q&A icons are located at the bottom of the video screen. And if you are joining by phone, please dial star three to indicate that you would like to make a comment and we will prompt you when it is your turn. So we'll start with in-person and I don't see anyone in person. So um, control room, is there anyone uh, remotely who would like to make a public comment? We have no remote public commenters. Okay, I think at this time we'll close uh, public comment for this agenda item and move to comments from the council members. Okay, so are there any MDC council members that have a co uh, comment? Okay, Alex? Thank you. Um, thank you, Chris, for coming again and telling us some updates. Couple of questions came to mind is that um, one is that I know that you are, uh, you guys focusing on some key um, areas in the city. I'm just curious on what's your plan when it comes to city um, uh, family neighborhoods when it comes to Park lanes or people using the schools or bikes. Um, any ideas on that? And the second thing is that when it comes to um, um, to information on what types of um, sidewalks or devices that people might have or want to use and wh how do you guys, how do you um, study them? I know that you have some amazing um, uh, walking groups, but are there any tandem um, practical things that you can share with us today. And, and the last thing is that I would offer my time to do, um, to join you when it comes to pilots and walking group. So you can um, please pass that information to me and I'm sure some of the council members might be um, interested in that. Go ahead. Um. Yes. Thank you. Um, 
Yes, I will absolutely share uh, through through Nicole and Debbie uh, information for our policy working group. Um, and uh, if there's someone able to participate from the MDC, that would be fantastic. That would be wonderful. Um, so I think there was there were two other questions for kind of what is our plan for for information and and what we're doing with devices that you know might be on the sidewalk. I think one of the things we really want to pursue through the Active Communities Plan is how we can create uh, the type of network where uh, scooter riders and other people using devices on the sidewalk feel safe and comfortable enough to use the network instead. And part of that work means we need to look at how we design facilities in a different way um, because Scooters are very different from bicycles. They have much smaller wheels. Um, people end up having different, we call sight lines, because they're either higher up or lower down, uh, depending on the device they're using. And so uh, they can see things differently, and they're also more or less visible to other road users. Uh, and so all, these are all things we need to think about when we design our bike facilities so that they can be uh, not just safe, but also comfortable and um, intuitive for use. Uh, and so I think that that's one element, but we also need to look at what are other um, enforcement mechanisms to make sure that people are uh, behaving in, in safe and appropriate ways. Um, and I think some of the work that Kate is doing speaks to that. Um, but there's also a discussion to be had around what other enforcement we need to be looking at uh, to create not just safe bike lanes, but safe sidewalks as well. Um, and then the, uh, if you wouldn't mind repeating your, your first question, I, I think it had something to do with, with families. Um, was I so the, the best question was, what's your um, plans when it comes to having this safety, I would say, fit safety bike, bike lane or scooter lanes when it comes to um, neighborhoods like uh, um, like the, the, some um, areas that you haven't mentioned like in the family residential I see. Um, areas that Mm -hmm. I'm sure people use the bikes on and that um, we don't hear any accident because it's a family residential areas. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, thank, thank you. So, um, so in addition to the work we're doing in our, in our target communities with our six uh, our six neighborhoods with our community partners, we're also doing citywide outreach work. So we are doing outreach work and events in every supervisor district uh, all across the city. Um, and we, we definitely want to make sure that we're reaching as broadly as possible across the city. And when we do create uh, our, our plan recommendations in September, that will be inclusive of the whole city. Um, that won't just be 
for our target neighborhoods, that'll be recommendations for the whole city. And we want to continue engaging across the city on how those recommendations grow and change um, and better reflect community needs. So right now we don't have any ideas how to go about those um, residential areas at this point. Am I correct? Um, well, we've, we've been doing um, a number of, of outreach events in, in residential areas. We've, we've been present at many of the, the farmers markets across the city. We've been organizing uh, group rides uh, in different parts of the city. And we've been doing partnership events with different, uh, different organizations and community groups uh, to give presentations in, in different areas of the city. Okay, thank you. And the last question I have is that when it comes to um, sidewalks, again, I think it would be good for us to think about how to engage the public to make sure that people using devices have some net to move to the side, but be cautious on um, on their own safety and also having someone with the witches or with the cane allowing them to have rooms um, to pass. You know what? Mm. I don't know how to explain it, but um, I hope that makes sense. Yes, I, I, I understand. Yes, we, we do need to work on, um, you know, I think it can be very scary when you get passed very closely by someone moving very fast. And I mean, not just scary, but it can be very dangerous. And I think we do need to focus on how we, uh, we create the conditions where that doesn't happen and also work on how we educate people to be aware of that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Alex. This is Sherry. I know we're running out, we're running um, time, but I have a quick, this is more of an observation that kind of just came to me. So <laughs> if I'm understanding this correctly, there are scooter riders that have fear when they're riding in the bike lanes. Is that something that you said, Christopher? I think that's, that's something that we've heard often. I think the other thing we've heard is that uh, due to pavement quality uh, okay. with those smaller wheels that, that right. people end up preferring to ride on the sidewalk. Okay, so therefore they ride on the sidewalk where it's not, they're not allowed to ride on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you know what? <laughs> in my opinion, maybe, in, then they shouldn't be riding the scooters. If it's not safe, if they don't feel safe riding in the streets, then what right do they have to put people in danger when there's children, when there's people with disabilities, when there's seniors? What right do they have to go flying down a sidewalk and put pedestrians in danger? And that is my opinion. They should not be riding the scooters at all. Thank you. Um, with that, I think we'll move to the Mayor's Office on Disability staff. Nicole, do you have any comments? Uh, I do, although that's a hard act to follow. 
Thank you for coming, Christopher. We really appreciate it. Um, we, the Mayor's Office on Disability is part of the technical advisory group on this effort, and we appreciate uh, being included, which we have been from the beginning, which is nice. So I just want to say thank you for thinking of us first instead of after problems arise. So this is very refreshing for us. So thank you, Christopher. Um, the survey is is live right now, correct? Is that correct? That's that's correct. Can yeah, you, can, and it'll be open through July thirty first. So I'm I'm sure you've sent this to us before, but if you could, along with your policy working group information, resend the information about the survey. I want to make sure that we've uh, refreshed and send it out again through our distribution. If you wouldn't mind, uh, that yes, would, absolutely. That would be great. And then I would say, just in terms of other things that kind of come into the Mayor's Office on Disability um, around this issue, um, there's kind of three topics that I'll just mention briefly. One is there's there's a lot of desire for some sort of return to a topographical map that helps um, different pedestrians, wheelchair riders, and other folks understand um, what the hills and terrain is like in San Francisco. So I just wanted to voice that as something that MOD has heard and we heard it again recently. Also, a uh, desire for, and I know this has come up through the TAC, accessible biking in the bike lanes aren't really wide enough if you do have an accessible bicycle to use it. So I know that's already come up, but I just wanted to say that again publicly. And then lastly, and this might be a little bit newer. So we, we are anticipating that finally, after many years, the public right-of-way accessibility guidelines will be adopted uh, during this administration. We're getting very close. However, the unfortunately, the PROAG guidelines don't address getting to the curb and multiple conflicts between bike lanes and, uh, and curb ramps and parking. And so I just wanted to, I know that we've, mentioned that we're using getting to the curb principles, but I'm just wondering if you could briefly speak to how we're um, reminding everyone in the city that that's, a, that's an important priority for us because unfortunately um, the PROAG isn't going to help us in terms of a guideline when, when it comes out and something we still need to work on uh, federally. So if if you have any thoughts on that or are willing to bring it back to your group, uh, that would be great. And thanks again for coming. That's all. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Christopher, for coming today. Thank you for your presentation. And we look forward to more updates. Thanks so much. Okay, moving on. Uh, next on our agenda is the SDA advocacy budget agenda um, in advance of the June 25th hearing date uh, for the public to comment on the proposed city budget of the Board of Supervisors. We have um, the senior and disability action um, report and of course to present that is um, Jessica Lehman. Thank you so much. I am honored to be here. Um, I'm Jessica Lehman. I use she, her. Um, I'm currently executive director of Senior and Disability Action. Oh, there I am. 
Oh, my microphone's not on. That's not great. Can you hear me now? The captioner's hearing me, it looks like. Okay, wonderful. Um, so I'll start over. I'm Jessica Lehman. I use she and her. I'm currently the executive director of Senior and Disability Action. Um, I am going to be leaving my position in about a month. Um, one of my colleagues was going to come today and isn't feeling well, but um, I, I know that Senior and Disability Action has worked for years with the Mayor's Disability Council and the Mayor's Office on Disability, and so um, definitely looking forward to that continuing with other folks. Um, so I just wanted to start by, the first slide, by the way, says Senior and Disability Budget Asks. It has my name and it has the Senior and Disability Action logo. All right, so just wanted to share a little bit about SDA, um, recent work and wins. Um, we have worked very hard and wanted to particularly thank the Mayor's Disability Council for your support in our work to ensure remote access would continue to be a possibility for Board of Supervisors meetings. Um, this is so important to members of our community who can't come in person, not only because of continued COVID risk, but for all the reasons that it has always been an issue, transportation, health, um, a variety of things that, that come up that mean that disabled people can participate more effectively over the phone than in person. So we're really glad that that's continuing in, in the Board of Supervisors. We do need to continue to ensure remote access in all of the other meetings that happen in the city. Um, we also recently did a resolution at the Board of Supervisors for free Wi-Fi um, in the city of San Francisco, and they brought in, the supervisors brought in um, executives from some of the major internet service providers, really working to hold them accountable because of the money they make in the city. Um, and then lastly, masking is, is one of the other issues that we continue to, to work on. Um, unfortunately, recently masking ended in most healthcare settings, including in San Francisco, um, really putting disabled people and older people and many others at risk when they seek healthcare. So just wanted to share those. And then on the right side um, is a picture. I, I was thinking I remembered that it was like the bottom third of the screen that needed to be blank for captions and ASL interpreting, but I, I think it has changed. So apologies that my slides are partly covered up, but this is a picture of a bunch of SDA staff and board and members at our general meeting, which we have every month. Wanna always invite seniors and people with disabilities to attend. This was one of our hybrid meetings where some people were in person. This is us eating outside where it was safer. Um, and then we also had, had an option for people to join by Zoom. All right, moving on to our budget asks for this year. So um, these are actually all about housing this year because it is such a huge issue for seniors and people with disabilities in San Francisco. Um, and I just realized there's a, oh, it's not a typo, it's just a weird bullet. Um, so we are asking the city to put in $500,000 for a disability operating subsidies pilot. And we are really excited about this. Um, so several years ago, we worked with some of our partner organizations to create senior operating subsidies which is when um, you take a unit in what is called senior affordable housing, but we know that many units that are called affordable are not actually affordable to people who are living on SSI or social security or another very low income. And so the idea of senior operating subsidies is to further subsidize those units 
to bring them down to 15% of area median income or 25% of area median income. This program has been very effective in the last few years in making units that are deeply affordable that people can actually afford. We certainly don't have enough, and so you see on here we're also asking for an additional $4.5 million for senior operating subsidies. Disability operating subsidies would be a brand new program, and folks at the city have often said, we can't do this because we don't have buildings that are set aside for affordable housing for people with disabilities the way we have for seniors. And we've had two answers to that. One is that there's no reason that we couldn't take other units that are set aside as affordable, whether or not they're for people with disabilities, and bring them down to a level that is deeply affordable and require somebody who is at that, that SSI level. Um, and so we're not talking just about accessible housing. We're talking about people with mental health disabilities, people with chronic illness, people with the variety of disabilities where people need housing at a very deep subsidy to be able to afford it. So the second way that we know disability operating subsidies can work is in a building where there are units designated for people with disabilities. And we are really excited about the Kelsey Civic Center um, that I imagine you all have heard about. Um, a new development, the, brown, the groundbreaking is happening in a couple weeks, I just heard, um, right near City Hall. And, um, and the Kelsey is the name of the nonprofit housing developers that, that has really worked out this very creative way to do um, what they call disability forward housing. And so we have talked to them um, about the cost. And so $500,000 would cover 19 units to be brought down to 15% and 25% of area median income. Um, we are pretty confident that if we can get this program started, everyone's going to see that it's going to be effective and we know that we need it. So we hope it'll just lead to more. We are also asking for $3.6 million more for portable rental subsidies for seniors and people with disabilities. And so portable rental subsidies mean that somebody can use it not just in a certain building, but wherever they need. So if somebody is currently in housing and they're having trouble paying it, maybe there's a rent increase, um, they can get a subsidy. And if they move, they can take that subsidy with them if they need to. And this is the same ask um, as HESPA, the Homeless Emergency Service Provider Association, who we work closely with. Um, this is a program that has also been very effective, but every time subsidies are made available, they get used up because the need is so huge. And we know that once people have a subsidy, they stay there. You know, people, people with disabilities who are living on SSI are very rarely able to get off that subsidy and pay a market rate rent or even, you know, what's called an affordable rent. So we need more funding for that. And then lastly, we're asking for an additional $5 million for SRO elevator replacement. Um, this has been an ongoing issue that elevators and SROs go out all the time. We know that we have a highly disproportionate number of seniors and people with disabilities, and particularly people with some kind of mobility impairment or a chronic illness where it makes climbing stairs very challenging, um, living in SROs. And so we not only need to repair elevators, but they're so old, and this happens so often, that they need to be replaced and really updated. And there was $10 million that was allocated last year that has not yet been spent to replace these elevators. And so that money needs to be spent, but we don't wanna stop there. We need to be adding money every year. So those are our priority housing asks. I also wanted to highlight some other asks for 
um, disability and senior communities. So CADA, the Community Alliance of Disability Advocates, um, is echoing the senior and disability action asks, as well as um, the HESPA ask for 3.6 million for portable rental subsidies for people with HIV and AIDS. So there's a bunch of separate pots of subsidies for different communities. This one is critical, of course. Um, funding for mental health and safer consumption sites. I apologize, I don't have a, a dollar amount, but, uh, but that's really important. Um, and then we're asking for $500,000 to develop an end ableism campaign. And folks in CADA are really excited about this. Um, I don't have to tell this group that we need to do a lot of work to end ableism in San Francisco and everywhere. And we have been talking about the reframing aging campaign that the Department of Disability and Aging Services led a few years ago. And we have been talking about kind of a, a corollary building an end ableism campaign. And we've got a lot of ideas about public awareness and events. Um, and so we are looking for funding to get that started. Also, the Coalition of Agencies Serving the Elderly, or CASE, is asking for $400,000 for behavioral health services at community centers, like senior centers. We know that mental health issues are just continuing to grow, um, including among seniors and people with disabilities. And so we need to recognize that and, and fund it. And then I also want to mention that Senior and Disability Action is part of the Budget Justice Coalition, which is a coalition of a lot of different groups um, of people from marginalized communities, not only people with disabilities and seniors, um, LGBTQ people, people of color, low wage workers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the idea of the Budget Justice Coalition is that we know this is a rich city and we are not going to allow one group's needs to be pitted against another, but that we are putting forth a vision of a society where we can all have our needs met. And that, that's the, the kind of society we need. And so um, Senior and Disability Action also supports the overall asks of the Budget Justice Coalition, and we hope you will as well. And I'll stop there for questions or comments. Um. Wow, Jessica, that's a lot. <laughs> Beautiful stuff. Um, okay, at this point, we are going to move to public comment. Mary? Sure, we will open it. Uh, comments from the public for this agenda item, for those joining us in person, and for those joining us remotely, <clears throat> if using a tablet or smartphone WebEx app, click, please click on the three horizontal dots icon and then click on raise hand. We will recognize you when it is your turn to speak. You may also use the Q&A feature in WebEx webinar to make a comment. It is located on the top part of the video after touching the screen. If you are using a desktop or laptop computer, raise hand and Q&A icons are located at the bottom of the video screen. And if you are joining us by phone, please dial star three to indicate you would like to make a comment and we will prompt you when it is your turn to speak. So we'll start with in-person comments, and I don't believe we have anyone in joining us in person. Um, control room, is there anyone uh, waiting to comment remotely? We have no public comment remotely. Okay, thank you. And now we'll turn to you, Chair. Okay, do we have any MDC members that would like to make a comment? Okay, <laughs> Alex. Hi, thank you. Thank you, Jessica, for coming in. I'm very sorry that you're leaving 
on Olympus soon. Um, we would like to know where you're going and what is your next step. Um, uh, before you tell us that information, I just have a couple of questions regarding on your presentation today. I know that um, last year at this time you presented similar things that you were proposing and asked. I just curious on any updates on for last year, um, I know that I didn't see that on the presentation. Maybe you can enlighten us some that information. Thank you. I'm sorry, I can't be at the microphone and see Alex at the same time. Um, so first, um, as far as what, where am I going and what am I doing next? Um, I don't know yet. I, I wanted to be able to really focus on um, on leaving senior and disability action as well as I could um, and to not be, you know, kind of having to put time into to what's next. So I'm fortunate that I'm able to take a little bit of time. Um, I will definitely still be around, of course, very, very committed to, um, to fighting for change um, in senior and disability communities. Um, so you won't get rid of me. Um, and, uh, and then as far as updates from last year, yeah, that's a great point. And I wish I had thought to include um, what did we win last year and why are we asking for the same things? Um, so I don't have those figures in front of me, but we have gotten um, some additional money almost every year for senior operating subsidies. And, um, and because of our, oh, excuse me, because of our work with Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development, they were actually able to seek and secure additional funding from the state level um, for senior operating subsidies. We, um, let's see, portable rental subsidies, we've gotten a small increase every year. And so we are just trying to keep growing that pot. Um, and then I mentioned for the SRO elevators, last year was the first year we had a big win getting, um, getting the mayor to, to really recognize how important that was and set money aside for elevator replacement and for capital improvements in general. Um, but we're definitely disappointed that that money hasn't yet been spent. And I'm happy to share details later on the um, amounts of funding that were secured last year. I think there were there were also some um, some wins around uh, funding for digital equity training and some other things. I just want to follow up on quick follow up on that um, elevators um, fund. I know that it hasn't been touched, but. Are there any things that you you found out from last time that um, there is some complaints or or elevators are not working from the last time you came to us? I'm not sure I followed. Are there? I'd, I guess my question is. The, the last time we came here, um, I know that there is some complaints and issues with breaking down elevators. And we, and Lucas got $10 million to fix them, and that $10 million hasn't been touched. So I guess the question is, 
um, if hasn't been touched, are there any uh, issues right now when it comes to accessibility on elevators? Okay, so um, if I understood right, let me. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit. Tell me if this is helpful. So. Um, the, the $10 million was actually, so it, it's not going to senior and disability action. I should have clarified, none of this is funding that we're requesting to go to our organization. It's money that we are asking I, to, I to spend in the community. I know. And so, um, so our understanding is there was some work to figure out which department it was going to come out of and that it's been going through the process um, in the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. Um, and so I think there is some progress but, um, but one challenge is that it's through the, the Homeless Stability Fund Oversight Board made these recommendations um, and that how the mayor chooses to spend money doesn't always follow what, what some of the other groups intend. Um, and so, so it's something that, that we are continuing to fight. We continue to hear about huge access issues with elevators and SROs. And people are frustrated, and it and it is very hard. And, and I imagine this is what you're getting at that, you know, SDA's work is all about bringing together seniors and people with disabilities, right? That it's people who are directly affected who know best what we need and what kind of changes we need in our communities. And so it's wonderful when the city responds and people feel like, okay, that work was heard and it mattered. And then when we don't actually see the change and when we can't say this building is now more accessible to people who live there, it is very hard for people to believe that, that the city cares about them and that they should keep fighting. And so I, I hope that, that city decision makers start to recognize that. Thank you. Thank you for the clarification. We're sorry that you're leaving on your position, but we hope to work with you in out of capacity. Thank you so much, Commissioner. Thank you, Alex. And Helen, would you like to take a question? Yeah. Thank you, Cher. Um, thank you, Ms. Lehman. Really appreciate all your good work over the years and um, your collaboration with this body and the Mayor's Office on Disability. Um, and thank you for your presentation today. How can the Mayor's Disability Council help um, get your budget requests approved? How can, how can we be of assistance? What a wonderful question. Um, I think there are, there are a lot of different ways. Um, if you are willing to, um, to write a letter to the Mayor and the Board of Supervisors, um, encouraging them to fund these things, that would be wonderful. Um, I think, honestly, inviting us to come today and sharing this is, is a huge step, right, to invite members of the public um, to reach out to the mayor and to their supervisors um, to ask for these things. And I think um, with some of these, part of it is, this is a little more vague, but for you all to, to continue to talk about the importance of some of these issues. I was talking earlier today about one challenge that we face in terms of housing for people with disabilities is that the Department of Disability and Aging Services doesn't build housing and doesn't do housing policy directly. Um, and then there's the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development and Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing who do all that work around housing, 
but are not necessarily focused on disabled people and seniors and don't always understand exactly what our communities need. Um, and so I think for you all to be able to keep raising these issues and talking about what disabled people need and why it's possible and why it's critical for the city to focus on them um, is a, a huge way to contribute. Thank you. Um, I just want to check in with Denise. Um, Hi, Sherry. This is Denise. Can you hear me? I'm supposed to be unmuted, but I don't know. You are. Hello? You are loud and clear. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to yell. <laughs> I just want to thank you for checking in, Sherry. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, okay, so I have a comment. Um, so this is Sherry, and um, so I'm... I, some of these things just seem so frustrating um, <laughs> that why, you know, like with the elevator thing, like I, I'm almost thinking, you know, should I start going to elevator school? I mean, with this $10 million <laughs> just sitting there, it's like, I'll fix them. You know, I mean, <laughs> um, but I understand now what you just said about, you know, where the funds, uh, who's, what department and everything. But and then, it, and then it makes me think about, well, if we're now going to ask for funding for um, housing for, for disability, um, the disability community, well, hopefully their uh, elevators are going to be working. I mean, it, it, just, it just seems very frustrating um, how things work or don't work. Um, and... Um, Anyway, but I do love the idea, and I'm wondering, Jessica, has it been um, funded before for the vouchers, um, the ones um, that um, people with disabilities are able to take with them for subsidies where they, when they move? Yes, so the portable rental subsidies, yeah. um, that was a, a pot of funding that we actually first got... Oh gosh, I won't remember the year. It was sometime pre-COVID. I want to say it must have been maybe even 2016 or 17. Um, it's been a little while. And at first, some folks in city departments said, this is not the approach that we want to take. We don't think this is an effective way to make sure people have housing. And I, and I get that one of the criticisms that I think we all share is that this is money that is essentially going to private landlords and property managers when they are often charging more than they should, right? Um, but the reality is we have shown, and I think it has been clearly demonstrated, that it is an effective way to keep people housed. It keeps people off the streets when they can pay their rent and when they know that that subsidy is going to be there to help them pay their rent. Right. I want to um, also make a quick comment about elevator school. Yes, you should absolutely go <laughs> to elevator school. Um, I, in the last few years, have learned far more about the elevator repair world than I ever thought I wanted to. And there are so few companies that do it and so few right. technicians who are trained yeah. in repairing elevators. And, of course, even fewer that know how to repair these elevators that were built in, in 1911. Yeah. And so to have more people, more companies, I keep thinking, why don't more people go into this? Because clearly there is money <laughs> the there. there. Yeah. But the other thing is, so 
we did a study on conditions facing seniors and people with disabilities and SROs that came out in 2012. That sounds like a really long time ago now. And back then we knew that elevator repair and replacement was a huge issue. And for years we couldn't figure out what to do because we knew it was so expensive to replace elevators. And it got to a point where we just said, we have to get the city to spend this money. Yes, it's expensive, but we're worth it. You know, there's no way around it and it's only gonna continue to be an issue. And so I think one role that we all play is letting people know first that there are a lot more of us disabled people around than anyone realizes and that sometimes things cost a lot to make them accessible and that is still worth it and that will be effective not just now but for decades to your point about what about the new housing will those elevators work building an elevator now versus trying to repair one from literally a hundred years ago is totally different so we can um, be assured that those new elevators will work much more effectively. <laughs> Thank you. And I just wanted to uh, follow up one s s little comment about having a portable vouchers. Um, one important aspect to that is it gives us the ability to choose where we want to live and not told this is the affordable housing for people with disabilities in this neighborhood on this street in this building and only these units and you know that i mean in in any time we are given the ability to choose is a big win so yes. that's what i wanted to say thank you so much for adding that chair alberts i appreciate okay. that all right and now we move on to comments from the mayor's office on disability nicole hello jessica thank you for coming today and uh, to and thank you for this very robust discussion I wanted to make two three comments first um, one um, I have some ideas if the council is interested in how the council might be able to elevate moving along the the SRO elevator conversation so if that is something that the council would want to take on, MOD is happy to help facilitate conversations with, with the right people to do that. Many years ago, as Jessica mentioned, we did have an SRO elevator repair and rebate program that was moderately successful. It did some good things. Um, and then because of facilitation, changing hands and others, other issues and it seems like uh, this is uh, one of the many things that just kind of we lost track of it a little bit during COVID, right? It's, I mean, a decision was made during the pandemic to get rid of the elevator repair program, mm -hmm. knowing that people were paying less attention. So thank you for reminding us. So, of that. so I do think though that there's ways that we can this, we can use the council to um, to elevate no pun intended, the <laughs> elevator, the elevator program. And, and, and MOD is certainly uh, happy to uh, help with that conversation. Um, and uh, before you leave, Jessica, I really do hope that we can have a conversation and about that and see, so see what we can do there. The other thing that I wanted to mention too is a lot of 
as you'll remember, and I mentioned in the beginning in my report, so we had the hearing sponsored by Supervisor Stephanie about the disability and old, uh, older adults affordable needs assessment report. So a lot of this, the budget funding asked, I just want to point out that a lot of that is also direct recommendation in the city's report itself. And so there's a lot uh, between what senior and disability action and what disability advocates are asking for and that is also recommended in that report. So I just wanted to continue to encourage the council to end senior and disability action in your, your team and your, your uh, uh, the uh, shoes that follow yours to really continue to track that because I think we do have an opportunity now to really pair up some need and some requests with some very concrete things in this very public report that there's a lot of interest in. So I just wanted to uh, mention that as well. And, and finally, I wanted to say two more things. One is uh, uh, Mayor's Office on Disability. I, I don't know if uh, your interim leadership has been uh, determined yet, but Not I just yet. want to encourage um, Senior and Disability Action to continue working with uh, Mayor's Office on Disability. Uh, as uh, I, I alluded to this in the hearing regarding the commemoration for uh, Judith Human earlier, was that this week? It feels, it's been a while. It was this week, wow. <laughs> Monday. <laughs> and, <laughs> and anyway, and my point is, not to make light, but my point is, is that it takes, we need to work together with disability access as community from inside the city government and advocates. We need everybody in order to make all of everything that we need to make work. And that is one of the things that, Jessica, I think you've really understood that in your leadership through your time with SCA. So thank you very much. And I hope that this partnership can continue because it's been really invaluable to me and to the city. And I'm just so excited for my other city colleagues to learn even more about senior and disability action um, moving forward, and it's it's Jessica, yes, but it's also Jessica and a whole lot of other people who are working in disability advocacy right now. And so thank you, and I am excited for the future, and uh, you have my public appreciation and hope that we can continue uh, collaboration and if you want to work for the city that's okay with me <laughs> <laughs> and anyway so thank you very much Jessica thank you thank you so much for that director Vaughn I, I really appreciate it and I, I particularly um, appreciate your comment about um, people may often know me from senior and disability action but it's a it's a community organization and we've got um, so many wonderful people not only staff and board but um, but hundreds of members, community members who are who are active in the work. So um, please reach out anytime if you're not sure who to talk to after I'm gone. They will help you figure it out. And Great. thanks so much for having me today. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, Director Bond, do you know if there is any correspondence this month that needs our attention? Uh, let's see. 
Uh, no, there is not a public uh, correspondence uh, for this month. Thank you for asking. Okay. So, with that being said, at this point, we are going to move on to um, general comments. Mary. Okay, thank you. We now will open the meeting to general public comment. Um, at this time, members of the public may address the council on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the council, which are not on today's meeting agenda. Each member of the public may address the council for up to three minutes, unless the co-chair determines that, in the interest of time, comments may be limited to a shorter time when there are a large number of public comments. And a reminder that the Brown Act forbids the council from taking action or discussing any items not appearing on the posted agenda, including those items raised at public comment. If you would like a response from the council, please provide your contact information by email to mdc at sfgov.org with the subject line MDC comment reply request. Or you may call 415-554-6789. And at this time, we'll open it to general public comment to um, anyone joining us in the hearing room. Again, um, it's Jessica Lehman again. Um, I just wanted to make a couple announcements. Um, first, I can't believe that I didn't actually mention um, ways to get involved on budget advocacy. Um, so one is that we have a senior and disability university about budget advocacy. Um, if you are interested, please email itzel, I-T-Z-E-L at sdaction.org. And it is Tuesday afternoons. I think there's two or three more sessions coming up. Um, tomorrow, oh, sorry, the other thing on the budget is that um, public comment day, which is one day that is just set aside for public comment on the budget, is on Monday, June 26th. I'm looking for someone to correct me if that's not the right Monday. Um, it is definitely Monday. That is correct. Thank you so much, Director Bond. Um, June 26th, um, and we will have talking points about these asks. There are also hearings in advance. Um, feel free to get in touch with any of us at SDA if you have questions, info at sdaction.org. And then um, I'm not responsible for this at all, but really excited that tomorrow is a power soccer tournament in San Francisco. We think it might be the first ever power soccer tournament. Mm. It's definitely the first at a Reckon Park facility. Um, did this already get announced? No. Okay, no. okay, good. I saw a smile and no. I thought I may have missed it. Um, and so it is the Golden Ducks, I believe. Um, and it's at the Gene Friend uh, Recreation Center on 6th Street from 10 to 4. So I used to play power soccer. I don't get to play tomorrow, but hopefully I'll see some folks there. Thank you, Jessica. Okay, uh, are there any um, public comments online? We have no public commenters online. Oh my goodness, okay. Um, well, we are going to move on um, to the council. Does anyone on the council have any comments or announcements? Um, Alex? No. Helen? No. Denise? Sherry? No, thank you. I do not either. 
Um, so with that, I need a motion to adjourn. So, to move. Okay. With that said, uh, all in favor? Aye. We will adjourn. Thank you very much, everyone.